if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. On today's episode of That Sex Podcast, I'm talking to the one and only Jordan Marie Spoutich. Jordan, aka The Conscious Bro, is a men's coach and also happens to be my partner in play and life. He's also the father to our dog children, Blue Nose Pitbull, Biggie James Smalls, and our baby girl, French Bulldog, Little. In this episode, we talk about his hero's journey in relation to sex and how his upbringing played a huge role in his sexuality. From the infamous whacking machine, watching porn as a teen to his fraternity days, we dive deep into what he has had to unpack and what he is doing today to reclaim his sexuality now and moving into the future as a man, future father, and future husband. I hope you enjoy the show. Every year, starting around Thanksgiving, I get message after message in my DMs. Things like, what's the best vibrator to get my girlfriend? 
and I want to get a sexy gift for my husband, but I have no idea where to start. The list goes on and on. And that is why I made something just for you. Introducing That Sex Chicks Holiday Gift Guide. 2020 was enough of a shit show. Let's not make your gift giving one as well. In this guide, I have compiled all of the sex toys, lubricants, programs, and more that I personally use, recommend, and love. Plus, because you are a part of my community and I love you, you are going to get special discounts on almost every single one of the products mentioned. Or if your budget is a little on the smaller side this year, I made sure to include a few gifts that will cost you absolutely nothing. To access this free guide so that you can win this holiday season, then head over to www.thatsexchick.com forward slash holiday gift guide. Now on to the show. Jordan Marie's Bowditch. Alexa Nicole Martinez. That sounds sweet. Soon to be Bowditch. Ooh. I said it. You said it. I did. I can't take it back and I wouldn't want to. It's like a really odd way to propose to me. Yeah. <laughs> so informally. Yeah. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> uh, thank you for being on that sex podcast. Mm-hmm. So I know you're going to love this episode because- It's all it, about me. It's all about you. <laughs> exactly. And for the people who- are ha- who are taking advantage of the fact that this exists in video form. Did Tell you just them. flex a little? Nope. Flex a little? <clears throat> I just flexed a lot. Yeah, flexing a lot. So for those people who are watching this, <laughs> who've clicked around in order to actually watch the show, you are sitting in your natural form. Shirtless. Shirtless. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. there's a couple things that I want to... Uh, state out loud before we dig into the episode, which is all about you, is first thing is our dog Little is in the room. And Mm -hmm. so if you hear any grunting or oinking or snoring, Mm -hmm. it's Little. And we think she's in heat. So she's constantly licking your pussy. Jordan. Just the reality of what's (laughs) happening. So when you hear the oinking, she's vigorously getting after that. Yeah. So COVID era, by the way, so that people don't immediately judge me or us for not (laughs) fixing her. Um, I was considering fixing her right before all the COVID stuff started happening. And then it happened. And so now I just the idea of putting her through a surgery, just Mm -hmm. yeah, Biggie's fixed our other dog. So anyway, don't judge us for being irresponsible (laughs) dog parents. This is going off the rails already. I'm into it. <laughs> the other thing that I want to mention is that just a few days ago, I had some pretty incredible dental work done. And so some of my words are not coming out of my mouth very smoothly. <laughs> so if I trip over them, it is because there's all kinds of weirdness happening yeah, in my mouth right now. Could you, got, you can't talk right. That's not funny. <laughs> it just feels like I have like a bunch of cotton or just because there's weird my permanent retainer that i've had since i was 14 is now no longer there so just like the whole talking situation anyway so that's enough about me because this episode is not about me uh this episode is about you and then eventually it will become about us but the first part is you Mm -hmm. and when i was considering okay i want to bring my partner on to the show what do i want to talk about and i sat with that for approximately 15 minutes (laughs) 
<laughs> and I asked myself those questions and I thought, you know what I really, what would be beneficial if my listeners are coming to that sex podcast to learn tools and hear advice and hear stories about ways that they can achieve an epic sex life and truly deeply fulfilling relationships, mm -hmm. then what could we open up? What could I ask you that would help with that and help them with that? And the first thing that came to mind was really normalizing a lot of, well, I think for a lot of young men, whoa. Snapshot. <laughs> um, there are a lot of pieces to sexuality and growth and development that are already normalized, but I do think that there's still conversations to have around youth male sexuality that could use more in-depth conversations and another degree of normalizing the conversation so that I really feel like when we normalize certain conversations, it gives freedom, it gives peace, mm -hmm. it allows for people to, um, just feel better about choices and decisions and things that maybe hormones led them to, <laughs> you know? And so I would love to dig into essentially the story of you, the hero's journey from the lens of your sexuality mm -hmm. and the, the drive that that had, like the role that it's played in your life and in, in making decisions throughout your life. And I know quite a bit of the stories just in hearing you talk about them. And you've been a guest on many calls, Sex and Love Academy, you know, some of my programs, I bring you in as a guest pretty frequently. And so I've heard a lot of the stories, but mm -hmm. I want for the listeners of that sex podcast to, you know, that there's one in particular that I can't wait for you to tell. Yeah. Anyway, don't tell it yet. Yeah. Don't even say it yet. I want you to start, <laughs> not necessarily for the beginning, but just, you know, the time when it really makes sense in your mind where you were starting to figure out mm -hmm. sexual creature that is Jordan Maurice Bowditch. Uh-huh. Let's go. You ready for this? I'm ready for well, it. Let's drop the teaser right here, right meow. Okay. She's referring to the whacking machine mm -hmm. that I used to fuck my couch. Exactly. I mean, that couch got pounded hundreds of times over from ages like 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now let's back up. Um, <laughs> I guess my sexual journey starts with my mother's VHS tapes mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, in her closet, shamefully hid, you know, in a, a dark corner, um, along with a dildo and some other things that were weird to me and very intriguing also. And a lot of my sexual journey also at that young age was um, directed by my older brother. And I would say my best friend and his older brother, the four of us, um, we very much looked up to our older brothers. And so they were hitting puberty in much more even curious and explorative um, than we were. So we, we were exposed to those things at a younger age. So, and they were showing you the yeah. things that they were finding. And they were how many years older than you? Four or five years uh, older four, than you? Four, yeah. They were showing you at a much yeah. younger age. And so, I bet they got a kick out of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think probably eight to 10 is when I started like seeing pornography on a pretty regular basis and just crazy and jerking to off. Think, right? um, not super often, but here and there, I guess, from like eight to yeah, like 10. Mm -hmm. And it, the classic circle jerking, um, oh one of the four of us would be, you know, on our own little couch or love seat or something like that. Um, with a blanket, 
And, and it's funny, I'll start with what's most personal is most universal. Uh, this feels, this has felt very personally to me, very personal to me, but I imagine it's very universal to a lot mm-hmm. of people. That's where these stereotypes and these things come from. So I'm like, I have fun sharing this because I know a lot of people can relate because I've had this conversation many times. Right. Um, so started there. Where everybody was jerking off the same room with a blanket, all yeah. watching the same VHS together. Yeah. And for me at that <laughs> age, it was more about the, again, the curiosity, the like, brotherhood connection as perverse as it kind of was and it's like taboo um, being included yeah exactly mm-hmm. all those kind of things um so that's prepubescent and then once i started being able to bust a nut <laughs> around the age of so like 12 ridiculous. um that's when it got different that was mm-hmm. when i was like oh my god this is <laughs> i could just jerk off all day and i kind of did <laughs> so yeah, from ages like 12 to 14, and this is in Ohio. So I grew up half Ohio, half Southern California. Um, I was masturbating almost daily and oftentimes multiple times a day and always to some visual stimuli, i.e. porn. Mm-hmm. And usually my mom's cassette tapes or other friends' parents' cassette tapes that we VHSs. would like trade around or VHSs. Yeah, I always get those mixed up. I mean, unless you were listening to it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, and this was, you know, pre the proliferation of internet and videos on the internet. Right. So at that time, it's like only your most rich friends had a computer and they had dial up internet. So like it wasn't a thing to, and you couldn't watch, couldn't stream videos really, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then getting into the ages of 14 to 16 in high school, that's when the internet started to explode. Um, pornography online was like a thing that was very accessible. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I moved full time to California and was living with my grandparents and my mom. (laughs) My grandparents were pastors of a charismatic church called Powerhouse. So, (laughs) you know, I'm living with them at this ripe age where pornography and masturbation is very much like in my mind at all times, (laughs) even if it's at the forefront, it's in the back. And so I'm like dealing with this in a home where that is like wrong. It's, it's just simply not accepted. It's not even really talked about. It's just understood. And so I was shamefully hiding it on my grandpa's computer, you know, in my mom's room. Cause I didn't have my own room. I literally like slept and lived in the den. That was like a, my makeshift bedroom. So the mm-hmm. only privacy I could create to watch a video is in this kind of a setting. So oh my, my mom would walk in on me sometimes and I would just like feverishly hide, you know, or even the grandparents. And I cringe looking back on that. And I'm also like, I giggle, of course, you know, right. and yeah. And I like got caught many times, like not so much like right in the act. Cause I just like hit it, but it was like very clear. I remember feeling super embarrassed. And sometimes that even came up as a joke with like my mm. mom and her friends or like my older brother and his friends. And it just, it like hurt. Like it was right. like, Oh, it's so fucking embarrassing. Um, and then, you know, moving through high school more then hooking up with chicks started to be a thing. And it was mm-hmm. even in middle school, 12 to 14, but it was a bit more innocent. Um, I did get my first blow job, I had my first blow job when I was, I think I was 14 in eighth grade, um, which was awesome. Um, <laughs> and also very awkward. And then I very much had like a, a mindset that I was not going to have sex until I was married. Mm-hmm. That was like the upbringing. And it was kind of like, even though in Christianity, all sins are equal, you know, no, not murder is the same as lying essentially. Right. That's the theory yeah. behind it. Um, 
there's a few kind of cardinal sins in a sense, <laughs> like that's the energy you feel behind it. And having sex before, before marriage, marriage is yeah. one of those along with like abortion and, and those kinds of things, mm-hmm. just the ones that feel particularly shameful. And so I had, and so for really no other reason than that, I decided I had it in my mind that I was not going to have sex till marriage. Mm-hmm. So most of my friends, in fact, all of my closest friends all had sex before me. Uh, however, it was like, I can do everything else. So I'm, I'm definitely going to, I'm going to double down on the other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I did finally, finally have sex for the first time, my junior year prom, 17 years old in the bathroom with my girlfriend at the time. Oh my gosh. It was like not a great experience. You know, wasn't bad. It's sex. Even the worst sex I've had is pretty good usually. (laughs) Um, But it definitely was like not a a beautiful first time. Right. Um, It was very clunky. It was like in the middle of the after party, again, in a bathroom. And it was just like, and I was actually kind of depressed, not kind of, I was like legitimately depressed for a couple of days after like, oh, it wasn't even worth it, you know? And like, now my innocence is gone. And to me, and this might sound kind of funny. That was like my last piece of innocence I was holding on to, to keeping me like connected to God and being like a good Christian boy, because mm-hmm. I, you know, I was drinking, I was partying, I was doing other things, but that was like the one thing I had left. And so it was like, the tension of releasing that was, was difficult. And then I was like, fuck it. After a couple of days, it was gone more or less. And then it was like, all right, off to the races. Like, cool. Like the seal's been broken. <laughs> I'm already damned to hell. <laughs> Basically. So let's, let's this double is, down on this. This is currently hell. Yeah. You've made your way here. Yeah. So, um, and then moving into college. Um, so funny enough in high school, I had quite a few like, explorative sex capades, um, multiple threesomes, uh, you know, and, and they were, they were great in this, you know, especially at 16, 17, 18 and, and just lots of experiences that I think maybe a lot of young men or just people in general at that age don't have. And I didn't have, I haven't had most of those since. And I've had like a few little things, but like I had a decent little chunk of those in that two year period. But then moving into college, went to San Diego State, was in a fraternity. Shout out to my Sigma Chi brothers in Hoke. <laughs> the Great. look she's giving me right now. Right. Because I'm like, <laughs> you're just telling all these ridiculous stories. Are you sure that that like they're going to hear in Hoke and whatever you're about to say? Yeah, whatever. You're going to be excited and proud. I, it's yeah, it's my story. And I'm like, I am proud of it, even though there, I felt shame around it because it yeah. brought me to this point in time to exactly. you, to my life. And exactly. So in Hoke. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> and, and then in college, it was like somewhat of the stereotypical energy around sex and women and hooking up. It's like very encouraged, like, fuck yeah, brother. Like, Hey, did you, did you hook up with her last night? Or like you, know, you <laughs> brag about what you did the night before, excuse me. So I did get into a relationship fairly early in college, maybe about a year in, I made that year kind of count and double down on just like fun and kind of a fuck it mentality across the board. It was also like, sort of serious and connected and in the midst of all this, I'm being, you know, kind of playful, but like, I've always been this very, I fancy myself an aware person, kind hearted, connected, and very much a lover. So while I perceived a lot of my peers to be having this energy of like, take, 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 um, for my own pleasure and hedonistic desires, if you will, um, not to say that there wasn't some of that for me, but I always 
felt and acted from a place of, I want to connect. I deeply want to connect um, with both myself and in this context, more specifically, like with women. And I've always fancied myself a very like passionate, connected lover. And so even in these scenarios where there's like this sort of other energy, you might even call it dark, perverse, whatever. Um, I always had that and I had a lot of pride in that and I get a lot of fulfillment out of that. So then moving through college, I'm in a relationship for five years. So didn't have anything outside of that. And in that relationship, um, pornography and the compulsion around that, dare I say, addictive kind of behavior, um, very much had an effect on our sex life. And I was aware of that, but I wasn't like fully aware of the extent of it and the implications. And I just wasn't as woke as I am today, you could say. Right. And uh, so like there would be, you know, I've heard you say sexless relationship. We had stints that were very much a sexless kind of relationship where we would go. I mean, there were probably one or two times, maybe even a few where we went the better part of a month or like up to a month without having sex. Certainly um, several times, one to two weeks. Um, you know, and early right. on in the first year, it was like very consistent daily. So right. those that's usually how it goes in sexless is, yeah. um, especially the, like the definition is less yeah. than once per month. So it's like 11 times or less in a year. Yeah. Right. Yep. So I guess then moving beyond that, then it was like once we broke up, um, yeah, I like kind of got back into the old way, so to speak, but I had a new level of like awareness and consciousness and communication. And I started, you know, getting really into personal development, was working with Bulletproof. And so exposed to a lot of that world of, um, yeah, mindfulness and those kind of radical honesty, communication and, um, authentic connection kind of stuff. You with and your so, words. Mm-hmm. Yes, me with my words. And so it started to shift and I had much more of like the tools to approach that from a more yeah, conscious place. Um, and then that sort of brings us more or less to you. <laughs> you skipped a huge chunk. There. I did. I, I mean, I don't like know. I, I want to make chunk. sure we yeah, are yeah. on time. Well, no, I mean, like you're 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 hitting a lot of things a lot of points in your story that I feel like a lot of people will resonate. Yes. With, okay. So sure. nom nom stuff. We didn't, I didn't talk about that. Yeah. Like That's there's important. that, that window of time, like between, you know, you said I had more tools. I want to know what more those tools, tools are. Yes. I want to know what was like those, the tools and, yeah. and, and that waking up process and starting to interact with yourself in a different way, starting yes. to um, question what is the relationship that I have with pornography? Yes. I like how we're using the full word pornography instead I of know. just saying porn. porn. For some reason, I feel like I have headphones on and we're in a studio and you just say pornography and, you just shut and, the fuck and out. do it in that accent. You're just- <laughs> <laughs> your ridiculous self. And here's uh-huh. this moment where I will remind everyone who listens, who is listening that we are in a relationship. And this man is very much his own autonomous sovereign being. Damn straight. As am I. So <laughs> we both have different levels of political, um, what was I going to say political correctness? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> I mean, he's in the studio right now without a shirt. Yeah. And that's how I live my life. Saying authentic. Yes. And pornography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, back to the story of like, yes. yeah, it, like you left this relationship mm-hmm. and 
you know, it, it seems like that classic, like there's gotta be more than this yes. kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And what were some of the things that you found yourself, the conversations that you started to have, yep. the ways that you started interacting with your body and what are some of those tools that you mentioned? Yeah. So that very much the ending of that relationship, a couple of years after college, um, moving into a career and a path that I felt purposeful in and connected to and aligned with, uh, that was very much the start of like the next hero's journey, a, a really big one for me. And a big part of that, um, was my relationship to porn and masturbation. It was very, once again, compulsive. It was, and it f- did not feel good. And I knew that I knew the effect that it had on my relationship. I knew just what it, it was, um, I want to get away from life or I want to like delay things or avoid. So I'm going to jerk off and get this quick fix kind of a thing. And again, the hiding, the shameful energy, all of it just did not feel good. So it's like, all right, what do I do about this? And I was really into Tim Ferriss and his podcast in those days. So this was maybe six, seven years ago. And he had this knob nom challenge uh, that he had maybe, I think, heard from somebody else, but he was a big proponent of it. And so what that is, is no booze, no masturbation, 30 days. So what I did was I was very public about doing this challenge. And so I Facebook Live, kind of the earlier days of that. Uh, and I was starting to step into my voice and just being a bit more public with what I was up to and sharing my voice. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to do this thing for 30 days. Um, if anybody wants to join me or like you know, send me a message uh, and I'm going to share my journey as I do it. And so no booze, no masturbation, 30 days. First time I succeeded, I ended up doing this, I think, like total maybe three times. And two out of three, I did not succeed, you know, by the standards of the 30 days. Um, and also in the midst of this, I ended up doing a hundred days of no booze. And so I was very much in this experimentation phase of like, okay, if I, I want to recalibrate my relationship to a lot of things and pornography and my sexual energy being a really big one. And so found that once I started doing this, I no longer, it, it was kind of, it was the other end of the spectrum, like the other, uh, the pendulum swung the other way where I, now I was like sort of repressing and, and like staving off that compulsion um, kind of energy. Uh, but I was still, I was repressing still. And what you repress becomes suppressed. So subconsciously, like in the nervous system, in the body becomes like neuromuscular armoring. And then it comes out in weird ways that are just like not in alignment with who I wanted to be. So while it was a really great part of the journey, it was like, okay, there was a next step to be had. And so I was not masturbating to porn nearly as much. I was just not masturbating nearly as much period. But when I would masturbate, it was still almost always to porn. So that connection was still there. And it wasn't really until you and I met and you exposed me to different ways of cultivating that energy of a different relationship to pornography. And there being other like where porn is not all bad. It's you know, what kind, your relationship to it, how you approach it, like most things in life. Most things are not necessarily inherently bad, but the relationship to it oftentimes is not so healthy. Right. Amazing. Thank yes, you. You're amazing. I appreciate that. And appreciate there was you. so much wisdom that you, um, in your language, kind of speed through and the muscular armoring and the issues in the tissues and all that stuff mm-hmm. that um, can be whole episodes in and of themselves about sure. bioenergetics and emotional release and... Yeah. And, and, and severing connections, which Mm -hmm. takes, you know, if you have this connection with porn or you have this like habitual thing that plays out for a lot of people, dare I say most, if not all, it requires some pretty intense, um, 
excavation and leaning into those challenges mm-hmm. in order to end the habits, forge new habits, create just different new n- neuropathways. Sure. And so um, when I look at you and how you've lived your life and how that how it's unfolded, I um, I really love it. <laughs> I really love like the pride that I feel and also the hopefulness that I feel because for you, there's a lot of, a lot of things in looking at you that I think if I take myself out of it and I'm just like a regular person looking at you, that there's a lot of stereotypes that can come up. Mm-hmm. Attractive abs, tan, California boy, you know, just the whole white male situation, just like things afforded to you and stereotypes of like how you must be able to live and breathe and operate in the world. And I imagine that some people, especially women, might look at you and be like, oh, I bet he's a player or I bet he's a this or I bet he's a that. You know what I mean? And like looking at your decisions in life and choosing a higher calling, a higher purpose, severing the the connections with porn, looking at your sexuality in a different way. That is so fucking admirable. Thank you. Yeah, it's so admirable. And I know that us getting together has played a role. Totally. In that to some degree, because I remember when we first got together, you were doing all of these, you know, Facebook lives and things. And I didn't really understand what you were doing, but you were just <laughs> open. You had mystic misfits and all that. And there was just one at one stage where you were talking about ah, maybe it was an obnom or just not masturbating. I don't even remember. And I remember just saying, like, it's not these acts. It's his relationship to these acts. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so. I like to think that us coming together has helped really crack open, you know, and go go in a, la- a layer even deeper mm-hmm. than what was, you know, just below the surface. Because you certainly weren't operating on your surface level. It was whatever was a little bit underneath that, I should say. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a couple of questions with regards to your journey. Mm-hmm. And then I want to dig into a little bit of our relationship stuff. Cool. Because remember, the whole thing, this umbrella is epic sex and deeply fulfilling relationships. Mm-hmm. I think in order to get to epic sex, then it's like looking at the journey of where we have been in the past and having grace and forgiveness with whatever the decisions were at that time in life. So I was doing the best that I could with what I understood, with the tools that I had at that time. And so instead of feeling shameful, instead of feeling guilty about the person that I am right now, look back at those things and have grace and forgiveness mm-hmm. and create space and and love for, you know, a former version of, of myself. That way I'm not harboring that and holding that and being weighed down by that in my present and letting that affect my ability to have pleasure and ability to have epic sex or bringing that forward into, you know, just having, letting, letting some stuff from the past rear its ugly head into, you know, the relationship that I desire. And so Mm -hmm. I love looking back and learning. So um, how do you believe that, you know, this journey from puberty to fraternity, Mm -hmm. like how that rhymed a little bit, (laughs) how do you believe that all of that translates translates into the man that you are today Ooh, geez so it's integrating all experiences all parts of myself and that's something i very much pride myself in and am grateful for is having a very diverse upbringing relatively speaking um growing up in ohio i was frankly poor by most people's standards at least in the u.s um and in a small a relatively small town Um, But at the same time, I was born in California and I spent summers in California with my dad and then moved back full time to California when I was in high school. And 
you know, that kind of Midwest upbringing with the Southern California and then going to a fraternity, it was like very, again, like a lot of different kinds of experiences and a lot of being exposed to a lot of things and also having a lot of um, individual autonomy in the midst of all of that, where, you know, in Ohio, single mom was not around very much. Like I did whatever I wanted for the most part. And my house is kind of the house that people experimented at both with watching porn and having these little masturbation uh, whacking machines, as I call it. And I didn't even get into that. So let me just quickly side note, because that's a fun thing to describe. So if you can see this visually in your mind's eye, I would take a washcloth, or fold if you're it watching into the middle. The actual video, yes. you know, the video recording of this. Yeah. So you take a washcloth, you fold it into the middle on both sides, and then you take a condom or you can even use a, a rubber latex glove. If I didn't have a condom, I would use those. I probably use the latex gloves more because it was you know, at 12, 13. Those were a bit more accessible than getting a condom from <laughs> the store. Uh, and so then you put that in there and you just lay it flat and then you roll it. Then you take the outsides of like the glove or the condom and you wrap it around the washcloth. Mm -hmm. So then you have a place to insert and you put some sort of lubrication or my mom's Jergens, uh, Juniper breeze, scented lotion, bath and body work, whatever it was. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever I could get my fucking hands on. Mm -hmm. And, and this was bringing it back to the older siblings. Uh, my older brother and his best friend were the ones that like introduced Mm -hmm. me to this. And so at first it started with just simply, you know, jacking off with that thing. Um, beating the old meat, flogging the dolphin. You know what I'm saying? Stop it. (laughs) And then it turned into, oh, like I can fuck this thing. And so I would put it in the couch cushions in between and I would like, yeah, I would make love to it. Except there was a whole lot of love being made. Yeah, it was quite manic. This reminds me of Jay and Big Mouth. Totally. Yeah. That show is freaking hilarious. You got to watch it. So good. Um, and now just to sort of wrap up that story, and then we'll come back to more of the present and the learnings. Like I had a keen awareness after doing this for, I don't know, several months, probably that, oh, I feel like this could affect my sex life later on. Like I remember thinking and feeling that because it felt so good. I was I, like, I was effectively having sex in a sense. Right. And it was like, orgasmic, ecstatic, blissful at a level that I felt like this isn't meant for this. Like I'm sort of wasting that energy in this experience and I'm desensitizing myself. I didn't have that language then to Mm -hmm. call it that, but I, I could sense that I felt that. And so I actually stopped doing it even at that age, um, which I'm very grateful that I had that kind of awareness. But anyways, bringing it back to all these life's experiences, I lived with different people with like my friends, parents, with aunts and uncles, with grandparents, you know, church setting at home. And so all of it like created this chameleon that was me and that had me um, yeah, cultivate this kind of awareness that could integrate these things in like a holistic grounded sense. Mm. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Everybody comes from somewhere. So I want to shift for the next little bit of our time together. And granted, you know, our time together is just like indefinite, but our time together. Damn straight. For, <laughs> don't I don't know. It. You have to ask officially before that's, you know. Alex and I went engagement ring shopping a couple of days ago. Ooh, whoa. whoa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
but I, you know, until oh, just until stop it's it. there, until there's a question, then, okay. you know, I can't really celebrate or anything. Okay, so. baby. Mm-hmm. So let's dig into a little bit of the story of us and how cool. we came together yes. and your decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, the non-traditional way that mm-hmm. we started our relationship uh, I would love, I mean, of course I love mm-hmm. the story of us and I don't want to go too far into it, yeah. but let's go into it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and just really like knowing this whole backstory of what's created you up to the point when we got together, what were some of the things that were really present for you? Mm-hmm. And I am going to go for this woman. Yeah. Uh, this story is always so fun to try and tell in like a succinct way. And it's always a little different. So we'll just see where it goes. I made contact um, in a casual kind of like ad friend scenario, suggested friends list. Um, she's talking about sex. She's fucking gorgeous and just so sexy. She's got tats. She's doing all the things like in a lot of ways, like my dream girl and like a and and this seductive kind of temptress kind of like there's just all these things that were so intriguing and so for probably six or so months it was just like facebook friends no direct communication alike here and there and then there was the contact like the big contact and i sent you a facebook message a voice note that you love to play nowadays because you mm-hmm. have it just on you have it in your phone readily accessible it didn't used to be that way the past few years it. i'm tempted to press play on it oh right snap so i witnessed you doing a facebook live sharing how you were going through a heartbreak and i never watch like other people's facebook lives very rarely you know do i take the time to do that and there were just many extenuating circumstances, synchronicities at play that had me watch this. And I was captivated by you. You were sharing this tears streaming down your face, but you're so cool, calm, collected. And so I'm just articulate um, with what you were expressing. And I was just like, holy fuck, this is one, this is a badass bitch right here. Come on now. Mm -hmm. This powerful Mm -hmm. woman. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like feeling that I was feeling the fast moving energy. And I very much fancy myself, someone who has feet firmly planted on the ground and head way up in the clouds. And so from that place, um, that split second of amazing courage, so to speak, sent you a voice note and started with a little freestyle rap, something along the lines of, Hey, Alexa, I'm about to flex for you. And then the rest, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yeah. And then we started having these conversations virtually back and forth, um, via Facebook messaging and then had our first FaceTime dates. Um, mm-hmm. where we're at, I don't two plus hours, um, just connecting. And it was so clear. There's something really special here. And so that having, um, the wherewithal and the courage to pursue that. And you, at one point early on, before we had had that live conversation really challenged me because I was afraid I was feeling, I was falling into similar patterns of like knowing I want something, um, but being afraid of like, what if it doesn't live up to my expectations? What if I don't show up? What if I don't get it? Those kind of things. And I was like, nope, fuck the living in regret kind of energy. Uh, and something I like to say is like, you'll always regret what you didn't do. <laughs> Sometimes you'll regret what you did do. I was like, oh shit, I'll do better next time. But like the what if kind of scenario game, like, oh, it is so painful. Um, I love so, how you go. Something I always like to say. Yep. Do you love that, baby? I do love that because, you know, Mark Twain said it too. So, ah, 
I think that's a, a JB original. Okay. It's a Jordan Marie Spoutich original there. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Patent, not pending. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I love how our relationship started. And I love how from the FaceTime date, you coming out to New Orleans uh, yeah, and less than our second in-person date was Envision Festival in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that like that's like you, you tell me now that you basically were in love with me before we ever met in person. Oh, I knew it. I and said it to I, my friends. Yeah. I was kind of like, ah, I'm not so sure. You know, it's he's bullshit. pretty, but like I me. need more than pretty. So <laughs> <laughs> there must be more to this man than, than that. So than his abs, all eight of them. So, uh, yeah, when we, when we had our second playtime together in Costa Rica and that was just such an up and down roller coaster, mm-hmm. highs and lows, torrential downpour, <laughs> mud, drugs, sex and tents, <laughs> glitter. It was just yes. everything. Um, yeah, that was where I really, really mm-hmm. knew that I wanted to do this thing with you. Yeah, go to a festival with a significant other and some some shit will be revealed. Travel anywhere. Totally. Just travel right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that note, uh, yeah, I would like to like dig into a little bit of like how you knew we could move so quickly because mm-hmm. we moved pretty fast. Yeah. So what was present for you that was like, I want to move fast with this person? Yeah, it's... uh. To say it in like a few words, I, it's been a lifelong practice, or in particular the last several years, of feeling into my fuck yes and my fuck no. And if it's a fuck no, it's like just stop. Like don't placate, don't waste your time, don't beat around the bush, like just stop it. And I think so many people, and I'll say especially men that I know and from personal experience in relationships, It's like, I'm in this thing, but I know it's a fuck no, but I'm complacent. I'm afraid to hurt her or afraid to hurt myself. Like the letting it go is like a a scary alternative. Uh, And then the fuck yes is like, oh, I I feel this. And again, feet on the ground, head in the clouds. Um, I feel this like I'm going for it. I'm going all in and living from that polarizing place of just being like radically authentic and asking for what I want and not being attached to getting it. Um, sort of hacking the fear of rejection. I call it rejection therapy. It's living my life from that place. It was like, I saw this opportunity. I was like, I'm not going to falter on this. I'm not going to delay. I'm not going to, um, yeah, again, placate. I'm not going to go slow. Fuck the slow stuff here. Right. Um, In some scenarios, I think that's great to be calculated and cautious. This was not one of those kind of scenarios. I'm Mm -hmm. going for this because I knew you were a catch. And like, I'm not the only... Uh, suitor, the mm-hmm. only caller uh, that wanted to collar you. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. <laughs> I wonder how many times I've said that during this show. Mm-hmm. You're so ridiculous. You say that to me a lot and you love it. Because you are. You're ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So yeah, you knew you wanted to go. You knew yeah. you wanted to m- make moves. Yes. And I did too. Mm-hmm. There was something about, you know, us both getting out of relationships just before this, which is a whole other conversation that I'm sure so many people are curious about is like, when is the right time to start dating after getting out of a relationship and how long do you wait and all this stuff? Fuck formulas. We, we were, <laughs> I love plans. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I was unplanned. I love unplanned. formulas. I love plans. I love three-step processes. <laughs> I love that shit. So I love guidelines and worksheets. Okay. So 
as you can see we balance each other yep. out i believe we balance mm-hmm. each other out beautifully because mm-hmm. this one goes off script and off the cuff all mm-hmm. of the time and i'm talking about jordan here but um yeah i think coming out of these other relationships it was like oh i here are my standards and this is what I desire. Mm-hmm. And this is what I truly want to like being honest with myself. This is what I want to create in the world. Mm-hmm. I want a partner that's going to fit this particular role. Of course, there's some room for there's some wiggle room, Naturally. but generally speaking, this is what I desire and a foundation to leave, lead my life. Mm-hmm. And this is what I want in a partner. And we recognize a lot of those things within each other mm-hmm. and f- almost right away. I think it was right away. We're like, okay, Let's do this. Oh, yeah. Let's be in a relationship mm-hmm. right away mm-hmm. and let's see what happens. Let's craft this very intentionally, very consciously. You know, that's so hot right now. Conscious relating or whatever. So that's what we set out to create and to do right from the get go. And I believe that a lot of the what is great about us and the way that we let's say navigate conflict and the way that we continue to grow is because we reverse engineered this shit from the beginning. It's like we went into the dark stuff, the deep stuff, the all all the stuff that gives people grief later on in their relationship. We brought it to the surface at the beginning. And while we were in this, like, I love you, honeymoon, you know, that new relationship energy, while we were in this, you can do no wrong. Now I'm like, if you fart one more time, I'm going to fucking die. That's where we are now. I, aggressive. I mean it. You're just the loudest, most flatulent. I know you are, but what am I? So y'all, this person, I am, I feel like a quiet kitty and Jordan is like a sloppy pit bull. Just like Like my dog, like his dog. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like Biggie running into shit, making all the noise. And I love you. I love you. Man and noise making noise do not go hand in hand. I beg to differ. Okay. (laughs) So anyway, we navigated a lot of that stuff. I mean, I did ask myself those questions very early on when you would Mm -hmm. fart and it would sound like a trumpet (laughs) from two rooms over (laughs) when he would do this like chaotic (laughs) breath work in the shower with the door open on our, like the first time. Yeah. Within the first like week of us spending any time together, I did ask myself those questions like, am I prepared to, ride, you know, pay the price of admission to ride this ride <laughs> from now until forever? And I said, yes. Yeah, so here I am. Yeah, I, I do think that we reverse engineered a lot and, and went into mm-hmm. things like what's going to happen if you want to fuck somebody else or if I do wow. or if I'm not satisfied or if you're not this or and we like went into those conversations very early on. And I think that that's really paid off. Yep. I love how we co- how we navigate conflict. I love how much um, we love each other and mm-hmm. how easily or our commitment, because it isn't always easy, mm-hmm. um, our commitment to come back to love. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything you'd like to share on that? Yeah. So in the past, uh, and you know, my kind of main first adult relationship, uh, I had these patterns and, and a lot of this was illuminated or a lot of what I felt and what I understand now. Um, I was supported by David data's work, the way of the superior man, like that book for any man it wants to be woke AF. That's a great place to start. I don't necessarily like condone all of his work and teachings, but that book is incredible. And it really supported me in understanding and recognizing like how I was showing up in a relationship and 
what the best way to show up in a relationship was. And so with that sort of framework and our connection and our dynamic, um, I came to the conclusion, like we are in this together. We're a team. It's not me versus you. Um, it's not me trying to make myself right and or you wrong, which whether I knew it or not, that was the game I was playing oftentimes in other relationships. It was very much like you know, sort of the layers of it that um, David Data and others describe is me, me, me. So it's like independent. It's like me, me, me. And it's like you, 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 dependent, you, 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 sort of like martyrdom in a sense, like give it all to you, um, passive aggressive resentment, that kind of stuff. Um, there's then like the codependent. It's like, uh, if you, then me, that kind of like back and forth reciprocal transactional kind of thing. And then there's the interdependence. And it's like, I'm an individual autonomous sovereign being. You are the same and we come together and the sum or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts kind of thing. And so you got it right. I did. Yeah. Oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I almost said it wrong. And then I caught myself. It's so funny. I've said that hundreds of times, probably. And I the wrong way and always say, I don't know if I got that right. And so that's really the the foundational premise of all of this and coming back to love in our relationship is when I find myself in those old patterns of like, oh, this I'm doing that thing that I used to do. And then I catch myself and we are very good at pattern interrupting in the moment uh, and or very shortly thereafter of being like, you know, apologizing, but not just, you know just to say the words, but like deeply meaning it, like acknowledging, not just like, I'm sorry. And that's what I used to fucking say in the past. I think of myself, you know, in certain scenarios and relationships of like, I would just say, I'm sorry. Cause I didn't know what the hell else to do. Right. So I, it was just word service. Mm-hmm. It didn't mean anything or lip service. And like, I'm so sad <clears throat> at the situation. Like, yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't know what else to do. I'm not going to take any responsibility. And I wasn't it even really is. sorry. Like I, I yeah. was more sorry for how I felt in the situation, but mm-hmm. not for the, what was actually happening. Right. And so, yeah, like once it became this and, you know, we, we love to say how we are fully 100% committed to each other in this relationship and to ourselves Mm -hmm. and our individual growth within this union. And so I guess said differently, it's like out is not an option. Right. And so very early on, it was like, we're not this whole game of like threatening you (laughs) with like, we're going to break up kind of a thing. And then playing that game, it's like, I've never seen a couple do that successfully. And myself included. It's like, okay, if we're serious about this and if we're going in this with this elevated intention and commitment, then like, let's just like say that and live that and embody that. And as we like did that, it's like, oh, this is, I feel safe. I feel held. I feel seen. I feel connected. Like I don't have the, the abandonment stuff, you know, the childhood, whatever like that. It's always kind of there on some level, but we, we have effectively mitigated that by having this commitment with one another. Thank you. That was beautiful. You're beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it. Um, I think to kind of weave this all back together with how we started mm-hmm. talking about your journey and developing sexuality. Mm-hmm. There was a time where my dental work was sexual vela, <laughs> or your sexuality, your connection to it and into our relationship. You know, I get asked. Like I have these kinds of conversations with people pretty frequently where it's just like, oh, how does Jordan... Like, how, how is he dating a sex coach? You, mm. you know, those yep. kinds of things. Let's go there. Um, so I'm going to go there and, and this is probably going to be our last little bit that we get into cool. for today. Of course, I will have you back on because, well, we'll see. I don't know. 
if I put that ring on it, will that potentially? Lock me in? Okay, potentially. Cool. And that's really the last thing is future. you know how yeah and future mm-hmm. and vision and all of that. So sex specifically, how yep. that is translating into your relationship now. So mm-hmm. you know going through it, it was like this thing that kind of controlled you, being overrun by hormones. It was in um, a book. I think it was The Male Brain by Luann Bizane, if I'm not mistaken. Is that her last name? Um, I asked that as a question as if one of you in the room would answer that. But that the amount of testosterone that's present in an, uh, a young male going through puberty is the same amount of testosterone that's present in utero when a baby is forming into a male. Yeah. Like it's an extreme amount of testosterone that is mm-hmm. present. And then the body of a preteen boy is also like his brain is literally in a soup mm-hmm. of testosterone. Like he could not think of other things. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Complete victim. <laughs> right. Completely. Totally. <laughs> but I mean, if there are tools, but like we don't talk about those tools, but anyway, so just the, the role that sexuality has played mm-hmm. uh, over the course of your life into now mm-hmm. and the relationship that you have with it now. Cause I think that the way that, that you and you and I look at sex it's very broad. It has all kinds of, there's like a spectrum mm-hmm. and there's so many different things that we have access to sure. via sex mm-hmm. instead of just, I want to feel good. I want to fuck. I want to have an orgasm. I want to mm-hmm. dot, dot, dot. Yep. So the role that that plays for you and mm-hmm. in our relationship now. Yep. And then let's end with vision mm-hmm. for the future, how we cultivate vision. Okay. So a couple of things I think it's important to highlight here. One, pretty early on in our relationship, within the first year, maybe six months or so, we um, took the erotic blueprint quiz. And that really gave words to some things we were experiencing, some like differing energies around sex. Um, Still early on, still like very connected in that way, but it was also clear there was something that was a little off. There was, and it was not easy to communicate about it. And so when we took this test and highly recommend it, whether you're, individual couple, whatever. It's just this kind of awareness is so mm-hmm. crucial. And there's basically, it's like the love languages for sex, right? Is how it's right. described. Right. And so there's four or five different rather. There's mm-hmm. sexual, sensual, shapeshifter, kinky, and energetic. And so when we took this test, my top two, I think pretty equally or exactly equally were sexual and sensual. Those were Alexa's bottom two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Her top two were my bottom two. So kinky and energetic were her top two. And I think it was energetic slightly above kinky or, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it was like, you might look at that from one perspective through one lens and be like, oh shit, y'all are not sexually compatible. Like you're doomed kind of a thing. But of course, that's not how we look at it. Uh, We very much were like, okay, wow, we have a really high ceiling because I experience it this way, you experience it that way. So we have this massive spectrum to play in and to learn and grow into. And so now that's the wonderful optimistic perspective. And then the practicality of the inaction is definitely clunky and can be like difficult and there's struggles and it hurts and it's incredibly rewarding. And so coming into this relationship, kinky BDSM, that kind of stuff, like I was pretty deep into Tantra stuff. Um, Tantra energetics. I've done some really like deep immersive trainings there. Um, but the world of BDSM and all that was like, I, I was not familiar with it so much other than I had the judgment that like 
more or less that's wrong or like that's fucked up or there's trauma there or it's like, yeah, it's, it's counterculture and not in a way that feels good from my judgment, my, you know, ignorant lens, I guess you could say. And then um, once we got together and then doing the Tantra meets BDSM workshop a couple times and getting more into that and taking BDSM tests and just getting way more familiar with like what can be involved in that and the neurochemistry behind it, the, the energetics at play, I very much shifted my perspective and become very open to exploring that. And so I would say that that more or less brings us to this present moment where we've like gone into that and we continue to go more into that. And I continue to have more confidence, more clarity, uh, understand how you appreciate being loved in that sexual capacity. Um, and yeah, there's a lot to go into there. I mean, I'm, what's very present in this moment for me is the fucking podcast. Um, Jamie Wheel on the Kyle Kingsbury oh, yeah. podcast. Mm -hmm. It's so hot right now. Like a lot of people are talking about it and, you know, Jamie Wheel and Kyle both Austinites and um, love both of their work and just this podcast, Jamie Wheel goes deep into. Have you made it all the way through yet? I have. Yeah. The mm -hmm. last 45 minutes where you just like, man, I like, I need to get a pen and paper and take some notes and shit. Cause yes. we, well, specifically they're talking about sex magic at the end. Yeah. And that was definitely something that I wanted to touch on before mm -hmm. the end of this show is that like sex is not just this one thing yes. that, and that's what sex used to be mm -hmm. for me in relationships. And probably Same. you too. It's yep. just like this kind of P in the V. Yeah. And, and it was like, it had a trajectory at the beginning, you know, hot and heavy. And then eventually it becomes this thing that can be a point of contention yep. and it's elusive and, and it has having it. all these other meanings, but it's still very basic penis and vagina intercourse if you're in a heteronormative relationship. But then, you know, for us, it gets to mean all these other things. Yeah. And we look at it, not, not, I need to have sex so that I can feel more connected with my partner, which I yep. think that that's present for, and, and that's in the realm of awareness for a lot of couples. Mm -hmm. But for us, it's like this particular sex, we're going to go in to feel connected to our purpose and totally. our mission in life. Mm -hmm. And in this type of sex, we're going to go in simply for stress relief or yep. in this particular session, we're going to go in for fill in the blank. Yep. You know, we just look at sex as you know, you open the door, there's sex, some kind of sexual energy built up and it gets to lead to all kinds of different things versus yeah. this thing that, you know, oh, it's been three days. I wonder if we're going to, you know, how long is it going to be this time I'm before sure. we wind up having sex again? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you touched on sex magic, sex magic, and, and to even take it a step before that, um, our relationship board meeting, mm -hmm. um, which had a, a wonderful overhaul this past week, um, moving into the next evolution of that and customization, if you will. And the premise there is treating our relationship like the most important business of our lives, because it is that. And to not treat it as such is a disservice. And we recognize that. And so we had some great couples, friends and mentors of sorts and whatnot to support us and show us some roadmaps in this and we created our own little structure and a big part of that. And I know you have a worksheet and there's resources for that. So I don't want to mm -hmm. get too into that, mm -hmm. but to the sex magic point, one of the big buckets in our relationship is sex. Naturally, if it's not in yours, you need to rework that bad boy because it is incredible, connective uh, manifestation energy. It is just, it's magic, right? Mm -hmm. 
And it's miraculous. It creates fucking life. Like I was a sperm in my dad's nutsack, you know, that fertilized an egg. I love to say that. She mm-hmm. hates it. I think you really I like it. I say I hate it. You like You're it. It's very predictable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And All right. I love you. I, thank you. I mm-hmm. love you too. And so that bucket of sex has things like sex exploration. Um, where it's like, okay, we're going to explore something a bit new. Maybe it's a toy. Maybe it's, um, watching conscious porn together. Maybe it's like an instruction, something or other. Um, another one is King queen worship where for, you know, this set amount of time, 30, 60 or so minutes, um, I'm focusing on you as the queen. And that is just like you surrender. I create an experience for you, a full body rub down, something of the sorts. And for some reason, time is just like eluding me. I have no idea when you did that for me last. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> okay. It sounds like we're about to. And <laughs> another bucket is sex magic. And there is so many ways to slice and dice this and bring it back to that Jamie Wheel, Kyle Kingsbury podcast. That is a, there's a new frontier for us to explore that mm-hmm. I'm really excited. Cause up to this point, it's been, okay, we're like, you know, journaling intentions, we're making ritualistic space good sense, good ambiance, you know, Palo Santo sage, um, doTERRA essential oils, so like funny. candles, like all the things, and right? We're and talking we'll, about our intentions and what we want yeah. to call in and what, and we're having sex to that. To that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whether it's, um, you know, like the something to do with the house we want, yeah. the family we exactly. are looking forward to creating. And then reminding that, reminding each other when we're in the act of sex around that thing and actually like kind of talking mm-hmm. about it and bringing it back into the awareness uh, and, and leveraging that energy to support that desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this podcast, there's like a lot of other erotic elements to bring. There's a lot of like toys, there's a lot of substances and some we've dabbled in, um, but the intention behind this and like the clarity, the structure, the, the breadth level. and depth is another level. So and now I'm like I so appreciative of that opportunity. Get to fulfill my double penetration fantasy. Oh snap. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah. So there's like I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like looking to the future with that. Me too. Um and I think I want to definitely make sure that we talk a little bit about um, our relationship design, like as far as like monogamous, polyamory, those kind of like different structures that sure. people talk about, that you hear about. And for us, we label ourselves monogamish. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that means exactly is like, there's just, there's, there's room there. There's mm-hmm. room for exploration, for conversation, for consideration. I'd like to think that everything is an option. Totally. Everything is an option. And I'm, uh, and if I really, truly feel uh, connected to whatever I'm bringing to the table and it feels authentic and aligned and it doesn't feel like I'm just trying to get my rocks off and it has this kind of immature, whatever, Mm -hmm. if I bring it onto the table, then I am willing to do the work required in order to obtain that thing. Yes. And I have faith in our relationship and the foundation that we've created from the onset Mm -hmm. that we can navigate whatever the first steps are all the way to actually doing the thing. Yeah. And so what monogamish means more or less by our definition is we are monogamist in the sense that you and I are life partners. Like we're doing this thing together. We're like fully um, intertwined and mm-hmm. doing the damn thing. We're enmeshed and we can't live without <clears throat> each other ah, and he's nothing without nothing me. Without you. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare leave me because I would find you. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trapped, everyone, just so you know. Yeah. It's been two and a half years and... She won't get out. Someone save me. <laughs> so that's our wonderful foundation. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and then the monogamish, the ish part is like the conversation. At the very baseline level, it's like we can have a conversation and it's not going to be a blow up. I'm not going to shame you. You're not going to shame me. We're not going to break up. It's not going to be this massive... Uh, thing, the hurdle that we can't get over. Cause again, we trust one another and like, that's the foundation there. Uh, and so the ish then becomes this conversation where, you know, anything is potentially an option. And so I would say we're still very early in that journey for us, but we've also, I think one of the most beautiful parts about it for me that has been so healing and so, um, opening energizing is with our close friends and mm-hmm. with like a lot of like our close couples friends, the, openness of being like affectionate of hugging of rubbing of like experiencing sensuality and connection with like me with a woman and you with a man and it being not only okay and just like tolerated but celebrated Mm -hmm. encouraged it feels so fucking good right so right it feels feels healing to like experience your nervous system in that state of relaxation while this thing Mm -hmm. is happening or it's like wow So good. And that's another thing that was in that, that podcast is, Mm -hmm. is the, um, utilizing sex and utilizing relationship and varying relationship structures as a little sneeze, a a literal little sneeze. She's staring at me. I know. Um, she's ready. She's ready. She's like, mom, dad, this podcast has been long enough. Want to go outside? That's little's voice. Yes, exactly. But anyway, utilizing sex and relationships as a means to Mm self-realize and to, um, I think that y'all are going to get to hear little here in a second. <laughs> what will happen if we put little up to the microphone? Microphone check. One, two, one, two. She's okay. Oh, okay. So there's little's cameo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as a means to self-realize and, and to dig deep, because I don't think that there's any personal development exercise course, conference, <sighs> no. retreat, whatever that I could go to. That's going to teach me how to deal with shit. If I watch you flirt with another woman or if I watch you naked with another woman or if I watch you, dare I even say it, with another man or just feeling like that could be insert anything, any type of person, you know, and to do it in a way where I'm intentional about it. I'm just not necessarily glutton for punishment, even though I am (laughs) glutton for punishment. Different episode. But, but yeah, amazing stuff. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for having this conversation with me, for going down that really giant walk of, of Jordan Maurice Bowditch memory lane, <laughs> prepubescent into the whacking machine, uh-huh. into how, you know, just watching you even process that, go back in your memory, go back in time and, and like see yourself through college and see you know, I watched like the spark kind of come into your into your eyes when you talk about San Diego State and you talk about how much like love and pride that you have for the fraternity and that time mm-hmm. in your life. And then I watch it kind of dull out right after that. I just post that and just like, you know, you kind of navigating that challenging time mm-hmm. of what did that all mean and all of that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, kind of watching the spark come back as you built up to the makings of who you are now mm-hmm. and the man that, that you are now. And I, I love, I love doing life with you. I love how playful you are. Um, because I think, you know, anybody listening to this podcast could, 
could hear that we're different people very, very much. And I love being in this relationship with you because we celebrate our differences. I celebrate how playful you have an open aura. You love to talk to so many people all throughout your day, like just in life. You're just like this bright ray of light of sunshine. And I consider myself to be quite the opposite. I'm like cool, dare I say cold sometimes. And my aura is closed. I've got to like invite you in. I'm just different. And I have so much appreciation and admiration for um, what I get to experience through you because some of those things do not come naturally for me. And I love being in partnership where I don't feel like the partner is trying to make me like them mm. and where I'm not trying to make, well, I was going to say, I'm not trying to make you like me, but I do sometimes try to make you be quiet (laughs) like me. (laughs) But I think that that a lot of that comes from my upbringing being told that I needed to be quiet. Mm, So pleasure needed to be quiet. My existence needed to be quiet. I was an afterthought, all that again, another episode, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I really appreciate our differences and the way that we've decided to do life. And, um, I especially appreciate you know, us going into this next phase, you stepping into the next level of you as a man, Mm -hmm. you and how you interact with your sexuality and what it means. Like it's, it's so exciting to, to see you evolve in front of my eyes. You know, you led me through this meditation last weekend that was about us, about you being ready, Mm. you know, what the fuck? That's every woman's dream. I think, you know, if they are in relationship you know, with men is like to have the person sit across, like you sat across from me and said, I want you to know that I have decided I am ready. Whoa. Wow. What a relief. I am ready. I'm ready to do this thing with you. I'm ready to, you know, yeah, we decided that from the beginning, but to, to hear it come out of you like that was, it just took everything to another level. The, the rest that, that I was able to like I would, the the sigh of relief and just like, oh, like this is happening. I don't need to be on edge. I don't need to be like in control and trying to force this train in this particular direction. It was very much like a, I got it. I got us. I am committing to you, to our relationship. And more importantly, I'm committing to myself to become the man that I aspire to be as a husband. Mm-hmm. I am I am ready to do the work that is required in order to be the future father that I want to be. And that, like, I can't even tell you, I had no idea what any of that would feel like to hear coming from the person that I care so much about. And, you know, like I was saying before, if you could get to this point as a conscious bro, it's really proof that anyone can. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. And so thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for you know, coming in and sharing your time. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for just existing, I suppose. (laughs) Uh, You're welcome. And, um, and thank you to everyone else who's listening here for being a part of our journey. Hey, I love you. Thank you. I love your face. I love your everything. I love you so much. It hurts my insides. Yeah. I love you so much. I could fucking kill you. <sighs> music to my ears <laughs> alright that's it for now bye y'all thanks so much for listening to today's show if you loved it be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode and if you extra extra loved it make sure to leave a 5 star review I'll see y'all next week <laughs>